Hey guys, um, I go by the name of Agent Daniels. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome uh, to the Sound of Quora podcast. Uh, this is the show where we chat with top Ghanaian founders, entrepreneurs, and creators, and also those with an interest in Ghana worldwide. Um, and we have an aim of leaving you with meaningful takeaways to apply in life, business, and your career. Um, for today's show notes, I want to encourage you all to head over to the soundofacora.com forward slash Tersa. That's T E R S E R. Okay, before we get into, before I introduce today's guest in conversation, um, just want to tell you a little bit more about who Tessa is. So, yeah, we're joined today by Tessa Adamu. Did I, did I, did I pronounce your name correctly? Adamu. Adamu. Hey, come and see the African guy. Um, so, Tessa is the director of the ETK Group, a qualified international trade professional and African business strategist with a passion of supporting businesses and entering and expanding to the African market. He's worked with over 100 companies and entering and successfully completing projects in 32 African countries. Wow. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's got over 15 years of experience. And of course, um, he is the um, trade advisor. He's been a former trade advisor for the UK's Government Department of International Trade, uh, where he was African lead. And he's also the host of the Unlocking Africa podcast, which we're going to discuss, okay, <laughs> where he discusses ways to unlock Africa's economic potential in the 21st century. Tessa, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? I'm actually feeling quite excited, but nervous at the same time, because as you know, I'm used to asking the questions and uh, <laughs> answering the questions. <laughs> so it's a first. Yep. So my first time as a guest on a podcast is the sound of Accra. So definitely, definitely excited. Looking forward to the conversation. And thank you for inviting me on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. I mean, this has been almost, I, th I can't remember when we, I think we started talks maybe almost this time last year, roughly, right? Yes. I'm trying to remember, but we definitely um, discovered each other on LinkedIn. So great platform LinkedIn has been for both of us, yes. you know, not just in the podcast world, but outside of the podcast world. Um, so yeah, I guess me and Tercy, we kind of like uh, stumbled upon each other um, on LinkedIn. And then, yeah, we just got talking. I can't remember how. We stumbled upon each other, but anyway, we started talking. We've been talking for almost a year. I remember at that time, um, you were maybe still working for the Department of International Trade. Yes, I was. And then you told me, Agent, just wait. I know you want me to show, but just wait. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cooking something. And then I'm, I'm going to be ready soon. I'll let you know when the time is right. So that time, ladies and gentlemen, has come. And uh, we're joined by Tessa, who is a fantastic, fantastic guy. You guys are going to get to know a lot more about him today. So let, Tessa, let's get straight into it. So, um, of course, um, you, you have a background of being an African business strategist. You've been doing this for a while, 15 years, whatever. Um, let's talk about the emergence of Africa as a global player. All right. So, um Right now, of course, Africa is being put on the map like it's never been put on the map before in so many different um, verticals, whether it's music, fashion, um, fintech, entrepreneurship, whether it's startups, you name it. And funny enough, these are the type of guests that you've attracted onto your podcast yes. and you've actually kind of explored these different avenues. So I really, really love your podcast, but we're going to get more into that a bit later. <laughs> um, let's get straight into it. So... Um, to do through your experience when did you start seeing africa as a as a, when did you start notice africa emerging as a global play in all these different areas i've just mentioned maybe i'll go back a little bit so i've always had a keen interest in business in africa funny enough because it was an uncle of mine when i was younger i was actually a teenager and he always said to us, what you should do is get your education in the uk 
and then move to Africa because when you're older, that is where all the opportunities will be. Powerful. But it actually took about 20 years before I started to see the reality of those opportunities um, coming to light. You know, 10, 15 years ago, no one was really talking about opportunities in Africa or Africa rising. I guess that's like the old narrative because Africa has risen. But four or five years ago, you, ha you were hearing the narrative of Africa rising, it's emerging. There's these kind of subsectors or sectors which are coming to fruition. There's investment coming here, investment going there. So my interest has always kind of been at the back of my mind, but... I never really saw a kind of a solid opportunity to progress that interest. So my eyes are watering here. Okay. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens to me. It now. wasn't cold outside. <laughs> so basically, I guess my introduction into business or in Africa or understanding where the opportunities were, I came from a supply chain background and I started to look at, it wasn't actually importing products into Africa. It was more exporting out um mainly agricultural produce um commodities into the uk to sell to uk retailers and that's where i kind of started off and then started to see some of the nuances some of the opportunities and obviously the challenges which i think we'll discuss later on in terms of how to navigate and back then there wasn't a wealth of information available online you had to kind of look almost parallel or adjacent to what you're actually looking for in terms of data to fully understand the mechanisms or the levers behind what was creating sometimes the growth or the progression or regression in terms of certain sectors or certain markets to actually understand the opportunity. And then through that, slowly I started getting people who would say, oh, I've heard through such and such you do this in Africa. We're actually looking to go the other way. We're actually looking to enter the African market because we believe mm. there's opportunities. And then that's where that happened. So I guess that was probably seven, eight years ago. But even at that point, there weren't many tangible opportunities. People would have an idea or a notion of going into Africa, but then it's a long, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of long term plan or strategy. And I think people were kind of not fully understanding that and looking for quick wins, quick fixes. I want to just go in and get my return on investment mm. overnight. And as you know yourself, that's not how Africa operates. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's incredible. Okay, so um, you've, you've so basically this has been like a gradual um, progression of people taking interest in Africa and wanting yes. to break in, and even breaking in is is not a quick, is it's not a quick thing. People need to take a step back and see more of a long term than a short term plan. Hundred uh, percent. You mentioned your grandfather. Was it your grandfather? No, no, my great uncle. Your, your great uncle. Yes, sorry. your great uncle. Um, what if you don't mind sharing? Like, what what kind of things was he involved in that he wanted to instill? this interest in Africa. I mean, he was more from an academic point of view. He's one of those people, you know, I think every African person has that uncle who, who has about 10 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he, he was one of the most knowledgeable or kind of, um, yeah, just smart and switched on. He was very forward thinking. And as I said, he was the one who said to me, 
when I was 15, I'm, I'm going to tell my age now, but that's like almost 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. So he was the one who said, when you're older, get your education in the UK. And then when you're older, there'll be opportunities in Africa and you'll understand the kind of how the West operates and how things happen in Africa in terms of the cultural side, the business side, the economic side, mm-hmm. and you'll be in a kind of a more advantaged position to be able to operate in that field. And obviously, sadly, he's passed away. But Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was at that stage where that kind of just always stuck at the back of my mind. So yeah, yeah, it's something that's always been there. I've kind of wanted to pursue it, <laughs> but the opportunities weren't really right. And probably I mm. wasn't right at the moment. I was still yeah. kind of learning and understanding what's happening or how things operate. And then I guess slowly but surely you build up experience, knowledge, you build your network as well, which is something we'll talk about, which is Absolutely. key to doing business in Africa. Yeah. Okay, great. And, um, of course, condolences again to your um gra- your grand uncle. Yeah. Um, what did you feel like? There's like a little bit of pressure on you to kind of like fulfill what he's kind of implied you to go ahead and do, which is to maybe like do you know do something. I guess you're kind of on that path already. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's pressure, but you know yourself, come from an African family, there's always <laughs> expectation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always expectation, no matter how kind of. Yeah. intense or soft that expectation is and as Africans it's always about family it's always about community it's always about your family name and you always have that whether it's at the back of your mind or on your shoulders but you always have that kind of understanding that you have to at least achieve something or leave some type of footprint or legacy no matter how small or mo- no matter how big it is yeah it's something I am str- quite strong about you know I, I want to make an impact it, my kind of ambition in life isn't to be rich it's to be comfortable and leave an impact and support people along the way and i guess that's how our paths have crossed in terms of i think you have a similar mission as well Mm -hmm. and you're trying to communicate or kind of change the narrative of how people perceive africa um and how it's displayed and something that we both talk about quite a lot is in terms of the only way of achieving that is through Africans. Only Africans can tell the African story. Mm. And it's up to us to take control of that and display it as truly and as positive. I mean, we don't want to gloss over, sorry. Don't want to gloss over any of the realities because, you know, with this kind of talk of economic growth and development there's still hardship on the ground and a lot still needs to happen which i guess we'll talk about as well later on absolutely yeah okay um very interesting that so over the years of course fast forward you've got a lot more insights in terms of what's happening in the african markets and how people are entering them how people can enter them and then how people are kind of like um uh, exporting if you will whether it's uh, products services skills from africa to the world are there any interesting facts during your time um working in this field that, that you've picked up in terms of the african market just to give people a little bit of an overview of what's happening right now yeah i mean i don't want to be going into like facts and data yeah. and because we could probably talk about data and facts all day but yeah. some of the trends that you see when people are going into the market is 
it's changed a lot more now, but there was a lack of understanding of, I guess, the differences of African markets. You know, there's 54 countries or 55, depending on who you speak to. And each country has its different nuances in terms of how it operates, whether that's politically, economically, socially, mm. how it operates. And even within those countries, there's nuances within those countries. You know, you look at somewhere, say, Ghana or Nigeria, mm-hmm. the way things operate in the north is completely different to the south and completely different say to the east to the west Mm -hmm. and it took for a while for people to actually understand those nuances you know you've got approximately anywhere between 1500 to 2000 languages as well yeah and people would not take that into consideration for i guess a lack of awareness one and naivety and a lot of the early people that I would work alongside who would want to go into Africa, they would have like an Africa strategy. <laughs> so Africa strategy? Yeah, an Africa strategy. So, you know, you go into Africa and this template fits every country, which is, you know, thinking about it now, it's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah. back then, seven, eight, nine years ago, that made sense to people. Some people would not even have an Africa strategy. They would have their strategy that they use in the West, whether mm-hmm. it's in the States, whether it's in the UK, and try and then put that over to use that same strategy within Africa and not actually understanding the, the nuances. Yeah. It, from a very kind of, uh, if you want to look at our, our micro or macro level, mm-hmm. those nuances which strongly dictate how economies in Africa operate. So that's some of the things which I guess I've discovered or understood and it's also an educational piece as well which when speaking to people it's trying to understand what level they're at in terms of their understanding of africa you know back in the day you're Mm -hmm. going from a very abc level you do you know there's 54 countries in africa population (laughs) of one point i think it was like 1.1 or 1.2 billion then now it's 1.3 and do you know there's this many languages blah 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 Mm -hmm. these economic um or regional economic um, communities and you're going from a very basic level and then building up so there is a whole educational piece that still happens but okay. I think online there's probably a lot more information mm-hmm. and now people who want to go in, into Africa are probably a bit more intense in terms of their position or their purpose of going in whereas before people were going in pretty blind um, mm-hmm. and are fully understanding. I mean, it's not the judgment, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of some of the things which I did perceive um, back then. Okay. And is this, was that when you were working just in general um, for, for the Department of International Trade or was that just in general, like throughout your whole kind of career? Yeah, in general. Up? So probably prior to the Department for International Trade, because I used to do a lot of kind of private consultancy mm-hmm. work with individuals and I was part of, Back then, there was several, there weren't a lot, but there were several kind of African business networks and you'd meet more or less the same faces and then new people would join. And I guess one of the things which was an indicator that there was an interest, like these 
networks were almost they felt like secret societies because it was the same people <laughs> small group you knew who was doing what then after a while you start to see more and more people joining new faces new interest and that was also an indicator that hey there's something happening here there's more people Understand. interested in the african market people who have never really showed the interest before okay. and they're starting to think okay I might explore, I might kind of dip my toe in and see if if it's possible. Okay. And at what point do you think you start to see this um, turning point of more people starting to take interest? Um, and is there any correlations be- between that and um, like the, the, the demand for Africa now? Like um, how long ago would you say that that took place roughly? Interestingly, there was actually a key point for me. It was actually during when Theresa May was um, Prime Minister. Mm. And she did that kind of whistle-stop tour of Africa. And I think she visited like three African countries in a few days. Mm. And that generated a lot of headlines because she went and kind of shook hands and met different African leaders and I think... There was a load of memes created when she was doing that funny dance. Mm-hmm. And through that, that kind of generated a lot of interest from a business and political perspective. Mm. And then further down the line, you had people like Boris Johnson, who is quite vocal in terms of the UK mm-hmm. being a key partner of choice when it comes to investing in Africa. And there was the Africa Investment Summit, which was held of years i think that was like two years ago now mm-hmm. um and little events like that were quite pivotal in terms of people taking notice from the business community that obviously there's a prioritization or interest or focus in african markets from the government which then does filter down so yeah powerful powerful okay so you could say this, when certain key figures start to um, arrive in Africa, then people will start to think, hey, there's something happening here. Yeah. Maybe I need to get myself into Africa. I remember my cousin, um, I have mentioned this in a couple of podcasts, told me, I think this was maybe 2016 or even 2017, that um, agent, you know, you, you should look at relocating back to Ghana because this yes. is continent that one that one day people are going to want to race to and now we're starting to see the manifestation of that um i think this is a good segue to talk about etk group um, let's talk a bit about that of course um you did a bit of work at the department of international trade um might come back to that um very quickly but i think this is a perfect segue to talk more about what you do with the etk group as a african business strategist and you know um what kind of people that you help and what common themes you've picked up when you're working with different clients that want to enter the African market? Yeah, so ETK Group is Enterprise Trader Knowledge. So mm. I guess they're the three areas that we focus on in terms of enterprise. We are very focused focused on business enterprises, um, getting them ready to enter the African markets, and we do that through knowledge. Um, the organization was quite... The, the company has been ex- in ex- existence for 10 years. I've joined as of just last year. But be- prior to me joining, there was a very strong educational arm of the organization, which we're going to start um, kind of launching again through masterclasses and webinars, sessions, and mm-hmm. just educational pieces in terms of helping people understand the business element, the leadership element of what is required to go into African 
markets. And I guess the the pivotal or the kind of the focus as well in terms of what we do is the trade side of it because it is all about moving whether it's products, services or people mm-hmm. from one destination to the other. Um, a lot of our work is focused around international companies, but we do also have African companies who are, say, based in Ghana or based in Kenya or based in South Africa, and they're looking to expand to new African um, markets. And then, alternatively, a lot of UK, US or European companies who are either new to the African market or looking to establish a presence in another African market that we work alongside. Mm -hmm. We've worked with a range of companies from your SMEs, um, one-man bands, all the way to, you know, multinationals, um, listed companies as well. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned before, I have to correct you, but I need to update my LinkedIn profile. We've actually successfully delivered projects in 33 African markets. Oh, so we have, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, so we have a presence or we've, we've successfully delivered projects in 33 African markets. But I think what you do see in Africa is, although we've delivered projects in 33 markets, there are kind of a focus or a high level of interest in some key markets, you know, Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Egypt, Mm -hmm. South Africa. So I would say they probably make up some of the primary markets. And then after that, you have interest in other markets such as Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, and then your Francophone countries, Mm -hmm. Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, and yeah, North Africa, Morocco. So yeah, so the large concentration are in some of the key economies, key markets for good reason, because people see that there's growth or demand in those markets in a huge population grow middle class, there's disposable or growing disposable income uh, that is available to service or to purchase whether it's their product or service. So yeah, that's, in a nutshell, that's what we do. We work in terms of end-to-end from the initial stages of market research, analysing the markets, understanding the opportunity or the market size or the accessible market opportunity all the way to once they've received that analysis and research, if they're interested in going into the market, then we will help them all the way from incorporating a business to setting up operations, whether that's the value chain, supply chain, employing staff. Um, yeah, we do the full end-to-end, basically. And okay. that's, I think that's what differentiates us from other people who would do market entry a lot of people are more comfortable on the i guess the market research analysis side whereby we're more than happy to do the implementation as well wow so you not only advise um, individuals or existing companies in um how to enter the market or if they're ready so i mean so just to step back a bit the type of clients you work with are maybe existing companies already that have a presence in africa but they want to expand to more countries within africa and then they're also the people that aren't in Africa that want to enter Africa. Yes. Right? Um, so what you're saying is that um, not only do you help, do you advise on them in doing that, but also you can hold their hand in the process in terms of like actually setting up the company and, yes. and, and uh, you know, getting the, a team, etc. together. So yes. um, so I would assume you have um, some people on the ground in Africa or you take trips? Yeah, Africa? so we have a strong team in the key markets, as I say, Nigeria, Ghana, mm-hmm. Kenya, South Africa, Egypt. And then we also have 
as we mentioned before, your network is key. So we also have like um, associates that we work with, whether they're independent consultants who are associated to ourselves that we work alongside. We will also be on the ground um, where necessary when it comes to projects, but we will also work with key individuals depending on what sector they're operating, what market they're trying to access we will always be on the ground because one thing I always say to people is it's not just specific to doing business in Africa, it's specific to international trade, doing business internationally. You have to either be on the ground yourself or have someone on the ground that you trust. Um, yeah. It doesn't really work. I mean, it might work in more westernized European markets, but whether it's Africa, whether it's Southeast Asia, Asia, it's quite key is quite important to have someone on the ground or be on the ground yourself just to make sure things are going accordingly and to plan in terms of what your objectives are mm -hmm. yeah okay okay yeah i mean that does make sense um i guess because you have a team on the ground it, it saves you necessarily from having to go there on a regular basis um would you say there are any kind of um success stories or interesting um insights that have come about or testimonials that have come about with, from you working with some of these companies that have attempted to enter these markets or expand into African other African countries? Yeah, I mean, I can't really, obviously, for confidentiality purposes, I can't yeah. name names. But of course, you're not, yeah, not we've got a range of companies that we've helped successfully go into markets, expand, have kind of gone from having zero presence in a market to having a full operation, okay. and then they've expanded into new markets. Mm -hmm. People who have tried to go into a market before not being successful, we've kind of taken over and helped them get into the market. I guess it's almost like, you know, the whole analogy of a swan where from the top it, it looks easy, but, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into what we do on the ground because, you know, some of the challenges in Africa is yeah. access to market information, yeah. mm -hmm. access to data, access to the correct networks. Sometimes also on the kind of administration side as well, things don't always go as smooth as you want. Things aren't always processed on time. And it's always pivotal or key to have someone on the ground who can chase things up, yeah. push things through, make sure that something's getting processed, make sure a document is not just sat on someone's desk for, for weeks without being signed and kind of processed and authorised. Just those little details that people yeah. don't understand or require, because mm -hmm. sometimes people get quite frustrated and think, okay, I've completed this paperwork and it's still not happened. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to be underground to yeah. chase it up and push things through. Yeah, this is what I'm. Tr this is what I want to get to. Like, I mean, it, it's not straightforward just working with a, a client and helping them to successfully enter a market or to expand to a different region in Africa. What have been some of the challenges that you face whilst, I mean, whilst attempting to, you know, work with this client to help them to enter into the market expand? Yeah, I mean, we can look at it from a from two angles in terms of the challenges in terms of the client and the challenges on the ground. Mm -hmm. I guess the challenges from the client's side is managing expectations. Um, obviously being extremely realistic of what happens on the ground and when things can be done and realistic timelines. Understanding as well what amount of capacity and resources required to make things happen. Because mm -hmm. long gone the days where 
you can just fill a container full of product and just send it to the port in in Ghana or wherever it's Nigeria and just hope for it to sell. It's as Africa is becoming more of a area or a market of interest, the competition has increased as well. So Africa is also a very price sensitive market. So you've got people from the UK, you've got competition coming from places like Turkey, India, China, you've also got the US. So everyone's still trying to fight for the same piece of the pie. As much as the middle class in Africa is grown, it's not grown at a very exponential rate in terms of it's not going to like triple or double in the next couple of years. It's growing quite steadily. There's opportunity, but people need to be kind of realistic in terms of what that opportunity is and also quite strategic in terms of how they access that opportunity. You, 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 you Like you would do in any other market, you need to allocate resource. You, you can't just put something through. You have to spend money on marketing, exposure, understanding how the African consumer works. Would you say see, these are some of the barriers to entry for, for, for some of these clients or companies in Africa? Yeah, I guess okay. it's a barrier to entry in a sense. And then on the other side, you're also looking at things in terms of accessing data if you don't know where to go it's quite difficult to know where to go to find certain information and information is not always or data is not always readily available you need to know what organizations or what networks to go to to find key information or data to inform that decision mm-hmm. and then also we mentioned before makes sense everything is not always extremely transparent you know africa can sometimes be quite opaque especially from a bureaucracy or administration point of view as well so it's understanding how to navigate that area or those challenges as well and who to go to who to speak to who are the key people who can actually advise you or if something is stuck at a port or stuck at someone's desk who do you go to to help move things along yeah Okay, great. Um, of course, this is the Sound of Accra podcast. And of course, we do have a, a wide range of audience from the Ghanaian diaspora that does tune in or people that are interested in um, entering the Ghanaian market or West African market. What would you say that have been um, some of the key things you've picked up from the Ghanaian market? And any tips or advice you give people that want to enter that market? Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, what I would say is in terms of what I've seen that makes Ghana an attractive market. Mm-hmm. You know, Ghana has always been known as a very stable democracy. I think the last time I checked, it's well, off the top of my head. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to remember this. I think it's had eight consecutive elections which have gone on fairly democratic, no mm-hmm. issues, extremely stable economy. Mm-hmm. It's actually hosts the after secretariat. So it's the home or the headquarters of the after secretariat Mm -hmm. got one of the largest populations it's got a very strategic point in terms of how to access africa got two very strong ports i think Mm temo and was recently redeveloped you're good (laughs) (laughs) you're good yeah (laughs) accra airport as well is a state probably one of the best airports in africa well connected to the rest of Africa, well connected to Europe, well connected to the US, 
well connected to the Middle East as well. So what I always say is, why why not Ghana? Ghana is one of those places that, although it's not the biggest economy in Africa, I think it usually fluctuates between seventh, eighth, or ninth in terms of GDP within Africa. I think Nigeria's up there for sure. Yeah, Nigeria's number one, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> We're not here to <laughs> yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. Nigeria. Okay. Um, we do love our Nigerians though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brothers and sisters over there. No, oh, 100%. Like, I think this is a conversation. You're from Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can we not shine spotlight at Nigeria? I, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, but Ghana for me, Although it's not the largest economy, it's probably one of Africa's shining lights when it comes to democracy and to stability. Um, it's a market that I've seen a lot of people who are interested in Africa or interested in the West African region base themselves in Ghana because they know it's a stable economy. It's had, as I said, eight consecutive elections which have gone really fairly smoothly pretty smoothly pretty smoothly there, there has been a little bit of drama of recently yeah. comparatively to other African mm -hmm. countries absolutely it's very absolutely. it's very yeah it's it's very smooth mm -hmm. also the Nigeria I mean the Ghanaian president is the chair of the ECOWAS um, the yeah. West African Economic Community mm -hmm. or region mm -hmm. so I think although Ghana is not the largest economy. It's very strategic, very pivotal. It's very important from a political and governance point of view mm -hmm. in terms of the president being the chair of ECOWAS. Um, it hosts the after secretariat in terms of the headquarters mm -hmm. in Accra. Has a state-of-the-art airport, two really functioning, well-run, efficient ports. Mm -hmm. You've got large organizations or companies such as Twitter who have positioned themselves in Ghana. And that tells you a lot in terms of why Ghana is or becoming a destination of choice. I mean, I'm without, uh, <laughs> I want to be careful what I say here, but obviously people are basing themselves in Ghana because they want to access the Ghanaian market, but they also see it as a great entry point into other markets, whether it's Nigeria, whether it's the emerging Francophone markets such as Senegal and Côte d'Ivoire, but it's a very stable and strategic country that could be quite pivotal for people's expansion into Africa. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, people do say it is the gateway to Africa, you know, I guess for a reason. So I think everything you've outlined there um, probably helps to um, back that up. And any any kind of like high level advice you've maybe given to clients that want to enter Ghan, the Ghanaian market? I think for me, it's always going back to the very, very basics okay. in terms of sometimes it's always Ghana is a great place to go on holiday. It's always good. <laughs> I think there's a very important thing that is missing that Ghana has capitalized on in terms of the link between tourism and trade. And I think Ghana has been very, very strategic and smart in terms of how they've used tourism tourism to stimulate trade so going back to my points and all your points in terms of your question i always advise people go out go look and see 
get a feel. You, you know, you're not going to f- fully understand everything in two weeks, whether you're sat in the, on a beach, but you'll get a better, <laughs> you'll get a better understanding of what happens on the ground. You know, I've worked with companies who want to access the Ghanaian market and they talk about, you know, the kind of informal economy, this and that, how things operate from the data and the statistics. And I say to them, go out to Ghana, go to the markets in Accra, see how people operate. And what you see in the data is not generally the reality. That woman who is sat on that store selling products, she sends her kids to university in England. She's turning over a lot of cash. She might be unbanked, but she's unbanked for a reason. Mm. <laughs> Do you understand? And people don't understand some of those nuances, such as those little details, just going out, having a look, mm. seeing what's happening, speaking to people. As I always say, the, the data can only tell you so much. Um, and data is there to inform your decision. It's not there to make your decision if that makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense. So one of the key things I always say is go out, go look and see if, you, if you're very serious in investing, if you're very serious in doing business there, go out, speak to people. You can do as much desk research as you want, but there's nothing that will inform your decision than actually being there, meeting people. There's only so much you can do on the internet or LinkedIn, meeting people. Go and have face-to-face meetings with those people, you know, understand if they're the right people to do business with. Are you comfortable doing business with that person? You've had conversations, you know, you've talked about family, you've talked about business. Yeah, that's one of the key things I always say, just if you can, go there. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) Have you spent any considerable amount of time in Africa in the past? Or have you lived there in the past? Yeah, as children, we spent a lot of time as adults as well, because my father still lived in Nigeria. So we were always back and forth between. Oh, he still lives there? Oh, no, my, li- my father's passed away as well. Sincere, com- sincere condolences. <laughs> that was fine, it's fine. So that was a, a, a what? So as children, we spent a lot of time between Nigeria and the UK. I still have my Nigerian passport. Hey. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's not what? a, it's not a. <laughs> you need that into the markets, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I still keep the, the, the Nigerian passport. Of course. For whenever I travel to Nigeria, but mm-hmm. traveling anywhere else with the passport doesn't really open up many borders, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but. So yeah, I've spent a considerable amount of time, but but I guess my kind of life has always involved the UK and Africa. I very much consider myself very British and very African. At the same time. At the same time. Yes, it is possible. (laughs) (laughs) And I have this conversation all the time, which is, I understand the culture and the nuances of both sides because I've spent considerable amounts of times in both places before fully starting school. We spent most of our time in Nigeria and then we'd go for big chunks of time and then eventually with work I'd spend a lot of time travelling between different parts of Africa and um, the UK. So, yeah. But I guess with COVID, I've kind of not been out as much as I would like. And now that the borders are open up again and <laughs> things are moving fairly smoothly and I guess we're more or less back to 
the way things were before. We are starting to travel a bit more, going out to different markets, supporting clients, and just meeting old um, networks and partners that we work with in those markets. Okay, okay. Now you definitely have spent a bit of time in Africa. If you combine your childhood with your you know, your work, your career, everything. I mean, you have, of course, spent a bit of time in Africa, so you can speak from a first-person perspective when you're speaking to your clients or yeah. or even your podcast. I mean, that's a great segue to your podcast, Unlock in Africa. Talk us through how that came about. <laughs> <laughs> I th- it does make sense how it came about. I mean, from you. Oh, to be honest, I'm going to kind of big you up. I think you were the impetus for me starting the podcast because it's something that's always been in the back of my mind and okay. when you reached out and we started talking about yeah being a guest on the podcast it was something that i'd considered for a while but just really didn't i don't, don't know what it was something <laughs> was just holding me back because <laughs> i'm not that type of person who likes to always put myself out there yeah so something was put holding me back and I was thinking, I really want to do this, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> and I think it was you that said to me, just get, get, get started. And I think at the time I was working at DIT, so there wasn't really that ability to have a podcast True. because obviously working with governments, you have to be quite conscious of what you say, what information you put out there because it could be interpreted as it's the government's point of view or it's the government speaking whereas it's my opinion it's my thoughts so i waited until i left that position and then as soon as i left <laughs> I I f- yeah <laughs> as soon as i left i thought now is the time if i don't start the podcast now i never will start the podcast so yeah definitely thank you adrian it was actually the conversation with you that sparked off in terms of yeah i should do this and the time to do is when I kind of move on from that position. So incredible to hear. And obviously you've got no regrets. I mean, you've gone on to do almost 50 episodes and yeah, I've listened to quite a few of them and yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal show. Um, what can people expect when they listen to your show? And could you tell um, the audience listening um, what your show is, is all about? I think we have an idea, but if you can let them know. Yeah. So obviously, cause I'm from a trade background, a lot of it, not a lot of it, but, I guess the underlying current or theme is trade, but I try and talk to different business leaders, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, academics, policy makers, just about their area of expertise, whether it's sector knowledge, whether it's market knowledge, because I class myself as quite a generalist. Obviously, I have a expertise or specialism in trade but when it comes to specific markets or sectors i'm quite a generalist i have a general knowledge of most african markets and sectors yeah. so i like to speak to people who have that deep insight and just to ask them mm. the questions because i guess the podcast for me as well it's something i've used to increase my knowledge as well yeah to increase my knowledge time. yeah it helps increase my knowledge and kind of my understanding of what's happening and also you can't be in every market yourself so when you speak to someone say from south africa and they specialize in a specific area they're on the ground they're in the trenches they live it day by day and they're telling you this is what's happening here and now or you speak to someone in kenya and obviously there is the election coming up and they're telling you okay the coming up election this is how things feel on the ground this is how it might affect the economy or how it might 
affect my sector of work and this is what I'm forecasting for the future. So it helps with me as well being switched on with what's actually happening on the ground. And that's sometimes information. When someone says something, it then gives me that idea or thought of, okay, I need to look a bit deeper into this area to see what's happening. And if I'm being honest, it's been quite helpful to advise clients as well <laughs> through the podcast because people have said certain things and it's sparked my interest and I've gone deeper to do the research. And then I've spoken to a client and the research I've done, I've kind of advised in terms of this is our feelings or this is our perceptions of what's happening and how it might affect you, whether it's micro or macro kind of. So yeah, it's it's been a great tool for in that sense. And it's also been a great tool to increase my network as well. So through that, it's given me the opportunity to speak to people who I probably wouldn't have had a reason to speak to. Um so yeah great awesome okay and is there any memorable conversations that you would say that stand that have stood out i mean i'm sure there's so many but is there any ones that come to mind with any guests that have stood out yeah i mean always obviously i guess i'm trying to think now <laughs> the first one yeah okay. the first one so good friend shalom lloyd she's mm -hmm. an entrepreneur um, runs a company called Naturally Tribal that does um, beauty products. So hers is always a kind of a key or important one because I'm not sure if you experienced it yourself when I was launching a podcast trying yeah. to reach out to people. Not everyone was always quite receptive or was kind of would agree straight away to be on the podcast. But when I mm -hmm. asked her and said, it's the first one, do you mind being the first guest? She said, yes, straight away. Yes. Share their story, which is an incredible story. And I, I, it helped get the momentum and help things move along. Mm -hmm. Then there's also be, I guess, key ones, but I'm not sure if it's like key episodes or key pieces of insight that people have shared sort of certain kind of quotes or memorable things that people have shared so each episode has its own kind of appeal or mm. something that i think okay this is yeah. different it's been great for this reason but i guess within that there's also key pieces of insight that people have shared or memorable quotes which i thought oh, wow that's amazing I, I'll, I'll have to use that sometime in a conversation great awesome so there's definitely a lot of takeaways from the from the from the podcast and you've definitely had a lot of takeaways yourself um for your business and also um for your personal life as well so a fantastic fantastic show um any future plans for me the I've got two areas of focus, which is the ETK, the the business, and then the podcast. They're not, I guess, mutually exclusive. They, they, they kind of complement each other. But they work with each other in terms of my overall focus, which is to highlight the opportunities within Africa and to communicate that message through diff two different means, whether it's the podcast, which is more vague, I guess, content creation or through the consultancy which is actually yeah more business related and supporting people okay but both have kind of worked in a way 
in terms of improve myself in terms of my expertise of doing business in Africa yeah. and also as I said before improve my or increase my network of mm-hmm. being more aware of people who are doing innovative or kind of great or inspirational things to drive Africa's economic development and as the podcast you know unlocking Africa as well unlocking those opportunities that aren't always seen sometimes they can be quite hidden mm-hmm. or they don't always seem quite apparent or in front of your face you kind of go in one direction but the opportunity is actually sitting parallel <laughs> to, to what it is that you're actually aiming for so I guess my two areas of focus for now in terms of the next six to 12 months is definitely continuing to work with great clients helping to increase the exposure of etk yeah and increasing the reach and appeal of the podcast and trying to speak to more great guests excellent some parallel parallel goals if you will yes. okay um what would you say africa will look like in in the um in the next few years maybe five years for instance based on your experience and all the guests that you've been speaking to so far you sure you have a better picture of where africa is heading in the, in the coming years if you can just share that really quickly as we come to come to a close yeah it's probably more what i hope it will look like um rather than what it will look like because obviously you can't really legislate or account for what could happen but i think going forward we spoke loosely about after but mm-hmm. key for africa's growth is trade amongst ourselves intra-africa trade to mm. grow that but we need to actually have tangible products to trade amongst ourselves so a key driver for africa is to fully embrace agriculture fully industrialize no developed economy has ever developed without embracing agriculture or industrialization mm. all the way from britain in was it eight seventeen sixty to eighteen forty was the industrial revolution all the way to china which saw their kind of industrialization 1978 to 1998 no one through the last couple or few centuries has ever developed without embracing agriculture industrialization so i think there are key areas where africa needs to focus i know we talk about africa i hate sometimes speaking about it in terms <laughs> of africa but each country has its own specialist area its own kind of area of expertise if we're talking about ghana ghana in terms of commodities it's very rich in cocoa mm. there's emergence of oil and I'm going to remember the other one. Gold. Uh, got it. Gold. <laughs> yeah, gold. So, but in order to add value and develop economically, we can't continue to export raw materials, commodities. We need to find ways to add value, to manufacture, to process finished goods because we're very guilty in Africa of exporting raw materials and commodities and then importing finished goods we need to kind of get away from that so i guess for me my vision for africa is to embrace areas or sectors such as agriculture industrialization manufacturing because for africa to develop we need to create jobs at scale you know statistics say that 
every year there's 20 million new people that enter the African labor market or labor force. Well, we need to understand where are those jobs going to come from? And we need to urgently create jobs at scale in order to economically develop. So I guess that's my hope. (laughs) That's where I see the opportunity for Africa. You have to go through those steps to actually develop as an economy. And yeah, fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. Powerful stuff. Um, This is a powerful note to end the conversation on, Tersa. Um, You've definitely given... Um, our listeners some food for thought and I'm sure there's a lot of information there that people can take and take some action on so Tessa I've really enjoyed this conversation I have to I I really have have. as I said I was actually so nervous appearing on this today because I'm usually the one who asks the questions and answering the questions I guess and now I know how my guests feel yeah <laughs> great it's the first time for everything so look, i've really enjoyed having you as a guest on today so do you have any announcements and where can everyone um connect with you and find you i guess if you want to connect i'm very active on linkedin i'm not really active on any other social media platform so just Teresa adamu mm-hmm. look me up send me a request connect if you're interested in talking about business in africa always open for conversations or you can go to the etk website which is etkgroup.co.uk um there again you can connect see what we're doing have a look at the type of services or projects or activities we're involved in and yeah just reach out um also you can listen to the podcast obviously you don't want to take away from your podcast but feel free to listen to my podcast but listen to the sound of Accra podcast first (laughs) no don't be silly like you said earlier on we're all we'll all have this synergy between both of us you know we're all on the same mission but in our own different way i mean you're focusing on africa as a a whole in terms of entering african markets and also what africa can do to you know um put themselves more on the map and to you know um become a more wealthier continent and i'm looking more on the focusing more around the ghanaian diasporas and ghana as a whole you know so don't, don't be silly i mean people can <laughs> listen to your i listen to your podcast no so. you've been a very very big supporter so thank you no no problem at all so look guys we'll have all of the show notes um on the sound of forward slash tersa that's t-e-r-s-e-r for um where you can find tersa's podcast unlock unlocking africa highly recommend if you want to enter the african market if you want to set up a business or you want to learn how you can contribute to the african continent um we'll also have show notes and links to where you can connect with tersa um, his, his, um, his companies working at um, ETK Group and all of the top tips and references from today's show um, yeah it's been a great 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 conversation I hope you have learned something today um, I definitely have and uh, yeah I've been Adrian Daniels you have been Tessa Adami thank you for listening no problem um, thanks again for tuning to the Salvador podcast today I'll catch you in the next one thank you so much thank you Adrian cheers <laughs>